What's up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Professional Athlete Podcast. We are joined this week by Chris Barnard. Chris is the founder and head strength and conditioning coach at Overtime Athletes. And if you've been a longtime listener of the show, you might also know he was the very first guest that we ever had. <laughs> Can I tell you how hard it is to book a guest when you have no show and zero name recognition? Okay, so kudos to Chris for doing me a solid and coming on that first episode. And actually, if you hadn't listened to that yet, go back. There's actually a lot of really great content in there. And, and Chris explains a lot of the foundational concepts that we're going to build on in today's episode. So you can certainly listen to this one first, but at some point, go back. Definitely worth a listen. So I'm excited to have Chris on because he has just released through Overtime Athletes his new vertical jump program. Elite Vertical Academy. And as you're going to hear today, it was years in the making, and he's actually implemented some new concepts and a twist on triphasic training that, quite frankly, I can't wait to give it a go. And actually, by way of the show, I'm actually going to start documenting my progress. So cannot wait to jump in. With that said, if you have been a longtime listener, man, as I always say, thank you. We greatly appreciate it. I love hearing from you. Again, we're having so much fun doing this. If you're enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe, share it with a friend. And you know what? Just tell somebody about it, people. Okay? We appreciate it. And lastly, let's see here. Stick around for the Run It By My Wife segment. I know this is a little bit of a long episode, but Sonia gives us some really critical tequila updates, and I get my daily dose of Kardashian-Jenner information. So without further ado... Let's cut to the chase and welcome Chris Barnard to the show. Here we go. I gotta get up. I got too much to do. Yeah, I gotta get going. I gotta talk to you. It's time to start the show. Well, Chris, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm pumped because uh, this is a big one. You were the first guest ever awesome. back when I didn't know if anyone would listen. That's an honor. <laughs> That's an honor. You've been exploding since then. I love it. I'm, I'm trying, man. Not, not unlike yourself and the team over at uh, Overtime. But yeah, you know, it's fun. I went back and listened to that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um and for folks who haven't listened to that one yet, go back because uh, dove into some really good topics, triphasic training, your approach, kind of your background, which is great. Mm -hmm. uh, so today I thought there's some big news going on over at Overtime. Elite Vertical Academy has been launched. Yes. Uh, I feel lucky that, I, that I'm able to take up some time on your schedule to talk about it because mm -hmm. I, I think, as I said on the last show, Right. I, I did the flight system, the previous program that you put out a few years ago and loved it. Saw awesome results. You know, you're able to make a, a, a guy in his mid 30s run faster, jump higher, which I was super appreciative of. Yeah, okay. uh, so I'm kind of really excited to hear, you know, with Elite Vertical Academy, mm -hmm. um, you know, what have you kind of been working on the past few years? Like what's gone into this and, and, and why create this this new vertical program? Yeah. So let's go down the rabbit hole. Uh, which, by the way, before I forget, you have to okay. outside of here. I need to give you. I want to give you access. Oh, about it, but I. I but to the show. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you know what? You know what we should do, and I'll I'll, uh, I'll figure out how to do this. Admittedly, over the course of the pandemic, like that decathlon that I used to train for. I mean, it hasn't happened for two years. 
So I've kind of dialed back what I was doing with regards to like sprinting, jumping, uh-huh. training, and all of that. This would be like the perfect uh, motivator for me to get back into it. So I'll, you know, I'll, I'll if you're cool, then I'll, I'll document most of what I do. Absolutely, man. Awesome. Absolutely. And I know how hard you work, and 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 yeah, that would be exciting to see. Yeah, that that'd, be, be, that'd be fun. That'd be really for, fun for, for me sure. for sure. So yeah, so I mean, at the end of the day, man, basically since then it was it was five years ago. It was 2016. But really, mm-hmm. when I kind of start got started on the vertical journey was when I started documenting everything, and I was like, you know, I really want to go deep into this. I want to, you know, walk the walk. And uh, and so, you know, I went through that flight system and I was t- pulling all the different stuff that I was doing and all the jump training I had. And then, you know, I had a professional strongman buddy who put me on a triphasic. So I went deep yeah. down that hole with Cal Dietz. Amazing stuff. And that's what allowed me, you know, essentially to to get a massive vertical jump. And then, you know, over the past five years, I've basically switched from that athlete to more you know, coach. And I've been fortunate enough to work with all these professional athletes at our gym. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, you know, year after year, basically what I was doing was, you know, following this template and getting great results. And uh, just like any coach, as far as, you know, evolving and uh, just constantly looking, uh, being aware, having a bird's eye view of your programming and how you can continuously get better and better. Um, you know, through the experiences and being in the trenches, I, uh, I, I was, I have like, I don't know if you can even see it right there. Oh yeah. Here we go. Basically I have a bookshelf that's just full of just like, uh, content, old programs, you know, all these things I've accumulated from, from getting coaches over the years. And I look back on it every now and then when I'm just kind of like trying to pull from, I'm, I'm kind of a, you know, I'm not reinventing the wheel kind of guy. I'm just pulling all the best stuff that I've found that has worked for me and my yeah. athletes and putting it together. So, you know, it made me think back about a time that I hired a coach named Jay Schroeder, who I implemented some of the elements in the flight system, uh, mm. you know, five years ago. But it, it, it dawned on me, this conversation I had with his uh, with his assistant, his name was Charles Maka, hmm. big Polynesian guy. And uh, and I remember them him talking about like basically he had me just hold these these isometric holds, which he would call iso extremes. And uh, and and essentially what he was saying and like, you know, here I am, this this football player who like when I was training here in Florida before I moved out to Arizona, it was just three hour a day workouts. I'm running, you know, stadiums, I'm lifting, I'm doing everything I need to do. So when I go to him out there, he has me hold a Bulgarian split squat for five minutes. And I'm, and (laughs) he was just, yeah. And it took me all of like 45 minutes. Right. So it took me basically like when I was holding that position, it was when the, 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 clock would start right and then i would just my knee would come down and i i think i got to like 45 seconds and then it was just like grueling after that oh my anyway it was just kind of like i didn't understand it at the time but now fast forward obviously me understanding you know the body understanding uh training and everything and all the principles that i do now um i remember him kind of talking about like basically i was just like well well, like, what do you mean? My workout is a sheet full of isometric holes. Like, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. 
And uh, it, do, it doesn't it doesn't look at the surface like this is going to. Oh, progress. dude, here I am, like getting ready to play college ball. And I'm so excited. And I remember I bought his DVD of Adam Archuleta and I'm the underdog. I have to go out to Juco ball and all this other stuff. So I'm like, this guy's going to be the one. He's my ticket. Right. Right. And then I get these holds and I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. And, uh, you know, very like Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, I'll be honest with you. I kind of, I probably did it for a week and I ditched it. You know what I mean? I, I did some of the stuff and, you know, this and that, but at the end of the day, it was just kind of like, no, I had to work at the time. Right. But, um, uh, you know, like I said, as I kind of understood later down the road, what he was doing and, and kind of found that I actually found that old workout and I uh, and I was curious about it and I was thinking about it. But anyway, in that conversation we had, he was like he basically was alluding to like I was compensating a lot and I wasn't really mm. like firing my hips properly. And uh, and basically like he, I remember he said something like you're not even turning on the right muscles. So basically right. I had to, you know recruit maximum motor same stuff that we talk about in triphasic during the isometric phase right uh but it just it dawned on me so it made me go so much deeper so what i did was i hired a master student and uh and he was getting his no i'm sorry he was getting his doctorate oh. and he did some research for me and i was like hey i want to find out all the new research over the last five years based on isometrics so then when i went on this kind of tangent um yeah. in triphasic or in triphasic the isometric section is basically doing a compound lift and then you know holding for a certain amount of time and then coming up and the whole thing is to receive the whole benefits of that is to recruit maximum motor units right yeah so i thinking back about that i was like there's more benefits to this phase what else is there about isometrics so mm -hmm. when i got deeper into it i started obviously seeing there was a lot of benefits as far as tendon stiffness as right. far as uh as far as reducing compensation like i said really getting the hips firing because it's not a high velocity movement you're putting yourself in a fixed position and you're getting those you're getting the right muscles to fire right huh. yeah the right patterns and uh and that along with recruiting maximum motor units and so then when i said that i i i, I kind of was thinking about this and i was like hmm i was like well what wouldn't that make sense if that was was first because before we perform any kind of dynamic movement don't we want to obviously reduce compensation getting the, the hips firing i'm, I'm specifically yeah. talking about vertical jump here okay and and uh and you know don't i want to really increase my tendon stiffness so i started thinking of this metaphor of a race car right and if hmm. you're building a race car if i'm if, if if i were to build a race car uh metaphorically i would want to start with the frame and the suspension and then upgrade you know you you don't I, you don't want to just go in and start adding a turbo and supercharger the car's not going to be able to handle all that power so it's like right i felt like a lot of people out there were just mindlessly kind of um adding you know jumps and training and plyometrics into their training without yeah. any really stressing and so then it brought me back to the principle that that cal talks about in his book triphasic as far as block periodization mm -hmm. 
you have to stress that modality maximally to reap those benefits to then move to the next thing. So let's really focus on building that frame, increase the tendon stiffness, right? Reduce compensation, recruit maximally to motor units before we move to, you know, the pre-stretch and the eccentric phase and then moving on to the propulsion. Um, so that kind of was like the first aha moment. Uh, yeah. All over the place. I'm I'm just kind of. No, this this makes so much sense, too. And uh, the race car example is really a, a fantastic one. It, at least, you know, I, I can see it in my head because it's like, yeah, like you need to have like a sound chassis. You sound. know what I mean? Before you start throwing these wheels and you try and blow it out. Exactly. You know, if 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 the frame can't handle all the force that you're going to try and produce, well, then there's it could be catastrophic, right? There's exactly. injury. Um, exactly. or, you know, you start, I guess maybe comp you're compensating cause you can't like right. handle the force you're producing. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I was getting a lot of young athletes who were real knee dominant, you know what I mean? And weren't even really gauging the hips. So I was just saying mm. to myself, like, how do I get these guys? And then, you know, another, I think one of the biggest things that I recognized was with isometric training is how much more regular than regular, like plyometric training, it increases tendon stiffness. And Is you know, isometric increases more than plyometric, more than plyometrics. Wow. And I, we found this study that was just it was just like I can't remember. It's in the manual, but it's it's just crazy. The amount of percentage it increased more than just in. You know, these are these are regular plyometric exercise where you're performing the full movement. Hmm. So I was like, man, like this really develops that base, like for us to really build on top of. Yeah. Um, and and that's really kind of, again, that aha, like and then that's where I started going deep on like, all right, well, how do we stress this maximally? Because the other thing that made sense to me was like, you know, I said this in a video, but it's like if I were to, you know, if if I were to get a million dollars, you know, for every pound of muscle I could put on in the next month or two months, three months, let's say, let's give it a little bit of time here. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be doing, I wouldn't be speed training or jump. Like I would be performing as many bodybuilding sessions in a day that I possibly could. Meaning right. like you want to stress that particular modality as much as you possibly can. And that's really what kind of block is centered. Uh, one of the principle of block periodization is like, let's develop this frame. Let's stress the body isometrically as much as you possibly can to reap the benefits of that to get you know the increased tendon stiffness the reduced compensation the the maximum motor unit recruitment so that you're basically your body's like fired up you got a great frame to then take it to that next phase which would be working that pre-stretch that eccentric phase and really teaching the body to then decelerate and oh, then so am i am i understanding this correctly that Okay, because like when we spoke last time, right, triphasic typically goes, and, and again, go back and listen to the first episode because, yeah. you, you know, you spend like a half yeah, hour explaining it. But so it usually goes eccentric, isometric, you know, concentric or concentric, right. Um, so are you saying now that you're you're actually putting the isometric? Correct. Oh, yeah. wow. Yes. Thank you for clarifying. So, yeah. No, no, this is great. I mean. Isometric, concentric, and that's the way a movement is is performed. Yeah. But if you, you know, I broke it down by the benefits and I said, what are we trying to do as far as building up an athlete? And that's why I use the the metaphor of the race car. So I put isometric first. So we want to reap all the benefits from that particular phase before we go into more dynamic movement. Um, It's it's interesting 
because when you explain it that way, mm -hmm. total logical sense, right? Based upon the benefit that that delivers, uh -huh. it's like, hey, this is going to give, this is going to prepare you better than doing eccentric first, right? Because of these benefits, stiffness, all these things. Right. So it's like your body's going to be able to handle these next blocks that we put you through. Exactly. And I can also see why, and you know, I mean, Cal, right? It, uh -huh. it also logically made sense to say, hey, look, this is the 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 way your body moves through a range of motion. You right. go eccentric to isometric. Right. So um, now this is really interesting. Yeah. So, you know, and that was the thing is I was like, uh, you know, and obviously I got amazing results from from triphasic. You know yeah. what I mean? So I was like, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. This is amazing. This is working great. Right. But when I did that, I was like, well, obviously, I always test my theories. Right. So I always mm. if I had that, I had this in my mind for like a while, for like a year. So then I was going into this offseason and I just flipped the blocks. Right. And and, you know, I, coaching and in, in performance it's obviously there's an intuition and you know you have guys that adhere to programs in your offseason a little bit differently each offseason depending on where they are in their contract and stuff like that but it was it was just one of those off seasons where where guys were getting like just crazy results now obviously mm. with football you're doing a lot of change now I have to explain this like it is a mixed method. We are doing other stuff within that. Like we're not yeah. just holding isometric holds the entire time. Like there's no way I could, you know, there's no, I'm not doing that. So when I, when I sign up for elite vertical Academy, I won't just be doing five minute Bulgarian. No, split squats. Bulgarian. People are like, okay, all right, I'm back on board now. I no, will. there's a whole process. <laughs> with it. There's a lot of, you know, we still train low level plyometrics throughout. There's still a lot of different movements because you still have to, get that synchronization and that motor patterning from the movement. You still have to jump to get better at jumping. You can't mm -hmm. just hold a pattern in and expect it to, you know, you're going to be, you know, jumping higher at the end, like, or waiting till the end to jump. Right. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of speed throughout it and all these other things, but you know, when I really kind of focused on stressing that modality, I was like, wow, like this is this, it was just one of those that was enlightening to me. A lot of the guys got great results. And that's what kind of led me to start to want to start to share this new thing that I was like, wow, you know. And the yeah. other thing, I guess, that I've kind of gotten in my bag was just how we stress those particular modalities. So, mm. like, how I was going about isometric. So, where Cal was taking, like, a squat or a deadlift and holding it at that bottom position for, like, you know, five to six seconds, seven, eight seconds, and then coming down – what I noticed was like uh, things such as overcoming isometrics and putting the body in a particular position, like a split lunge where you're hold, pulling on a trap bar, like a movable force. Yeah. I noticed that that overcoming isometrics really stressed the body greatly. Um, I thought there was other dynamic work, such as the ISO extremes that I got from Jay Schroeder. Hmm. Um, oscillatory isometrics, where it's a quick relaxation uh, and contraction. Right. These were just other different methods that I kind of had along the way versus the flight system where it was very vanilla, hold a certain position, right. you know, come up. And, uh, and I kind of just started testing and tweaking and experimenting with these things of uh, what I felt would really stress the body, you know, greatly uh, with those, you know, within that, within that framework of isometrics and mm. you know, obviously same thing for eccentrics and conscience concentrics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, man, and then it was just one of those things that, that got great results. Um, 
uh, you know, to finish up, we we moved to eCentrics and it was, you know, another thing I, I did was I paired the all the dynamic jumping and everything that we were doing with the actual weight training. So, for instance, if you're okay. performing, you know, isometrics on your compound lift, like a squat, I was doing that, obviously, with the dynamic movement, right? Mm. Stuff. So when I went to eccentrics and we were performing slow eccentrics on the squat, right, where it was a down phase was slow. Yeah. Uh, I was performing a lot of deceleration and, and teaching athletes how to accepting force. So a lot of depth jumps, a lot of like dynamic stability where they're lowering themselves slowly. Things all basically working that pre-stretch to a dynamic movement. Right. So that, that's something that I, I want to ask you about, and I hope I'm not going to completely mess up your flow here. But um, so, like, I'm as an, man, no, this is this is actually, I mean, it's super coherent. Uh, one of the things, and you know, I even feel this way sometimes too. It's like, hey, you know, maybe I get this program, and I don't know what it looks like, but maybe you know, I'm all fired up. The first few weeks, it's a lot of these depth jumps, right? It's absorbing mm -hmm. force, and I don't know if that's the case, but. You know, can, can you maybe explain a little bit why those sorts of exercises are so important? Because I think a lot of times people are like, well, I want to get to, uh, you know, like these more dynamic exercises. I mm -hmm. want to be doing the awesome plyos that I'm seeing everyone do on Instagram. Why am mm -hmm. I wasting time working on these like force absorption exercises? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, to, to, you know, speaking of the metaphor, it, it just goes back to that race car, right? If, if mm. I draw an easy conclusion, you know, you can you can obviously go really deep into the benefits. Um, like I was saying with the we talked about isometrics with the eccentrics, um, you know, as far as the lifting side goes is is basically working that that stretch portion of the stretch shortening cycle mm -hmm. where you're really trying to shut down the mechanisms of the the GTO inhibition. But but to get more like metaphorically, you're you're adding the brakes onto the race car. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, you build the frame, you add the brakes, you add the suspension, you add the tires. And then from there, we can then start to work on the engine. Right. And I go back to saying that because a lot of guys want to go, you know, do all these fancy jumps. But then when they go to do like a rebound box jump or something like that, where they're jumping off a of right. platform, they go, like they don't even have the capacity to really be able to utilize that kinetic energy that was created when they're, when they're actually landing. Yeah. Um, they don't have that, that strength. They don't have that tendon stiffness that they were supposed to get from the isometric phase. Right. But now they can't even transfer that to be able to utilize that kinetic energy. Yeah. Right? So it's just, it's, it's, it goes in a proper sequence. Well, and, and, uh, oh, go ahead. No, no. And I was just saying, it's just like uh, any dynamic movement, there's a sequence to it. Right. And mm. it was just one of those things to me that really made sense. Uh, theoretically and then obviously it's backed by by experience by you know actually testing out and it you know again it was just one of those things that i realized and i was doing wrong when i did flight system because i just started jumping right and it was just mm. jumping and lifting and you know doing all these things but then when i actually take a took a step back and was like start from the foundation if i'm building a house you want to lay that platform that concrete yeah first before you build up right right you finish with the roof and putting all the bells and whistles on your house so mm -hmm. you know it really is takes that proper sequence if you want to develop an elite vertical jump 
Yeah. And I can't remember who told me this, um, but it was kind of eye-opening. It's like, hey, you know, why do you think there's this massive influx of like ACL injuries and like, or, you know, tendon injuries in athletic populations where there used to be none, like women's sports, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but someone was basically like, look, like the way a lot of these programs are structured, like, they're getting these athletes really strong in just like kind of one phase of motion or mm -hmm. it's like just, you know, concentric, just mm -hmm. push, 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 mm -hmm. push. So then they're going and like, they're, they're moving faster. They're carrying more weight. They're making cuts mm -hmm. with more force. But to your point, it's like they never trained the brakes, like right. the ability to like absorb the force and the impact that they're creating isn't there. Mm -hmm. um, and someone could tell me that like, that's not why all these injuries are happening. But like, I, you know, I remember having that explained to me and I was kind of like, Oh, wow. Like that makes so yeah. much sense. Like if you get yeah. a 250 pound linebacker and he hasn't spent the time like focusing on how to like absorb these incredible forces he's putting into the ground. Right. You know, it's like no wonder. And then you add on top of that, like, so, I mean, think about it, 250 pounds, 240, 250 pounds is the average size of a linebacker. Now, like that was a lineman 50, 60 years ago you know, moving way less. Now you got defensive ends running. Like when you want to talk about a ceiling as far as athletic performance, like, yeah. dude, like 50 years ago, nobody was running, you know, your four, three. Now you got almost a multiple guy. Now, if you don't run a four, four, it's like, you're not getting paid. You know what I mean? Like I think about how many people are reaching yeah. that threshold now, just performance and evolution, like so many guys are because so much money is behind it. So now you have so many different guys being able to do that. You add that to obviously the the turf, right? The influx of turf, like now every single field is on right. turf. Now you add that to, you know, all these guys are taping up their ankles, right? And now their ankles are still like we focus so much on this just go, 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 fast, speed, 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 jump, jump, right? Because think about it, the NFL combine, it's your vertical, it's your broad, it's your, it's your, it's your, right. and you're 40, right? And you got, oh, you're measured on, yeah. Yeah. We're ingrained that you need to have a high number on that. We don't, mm. you know, they don't need to see really anything else. Yeah. So, yeah. It go, I mean, there's there's a lot of factors, and that's exactly it. We haven't spent the time to really build the stabilization across certain joints. Our thing is, like, we need to get paid right now. You know what I mean? Like, this is what it is. Yeah. So, yeah, man. And it's it's, it's kind of counterintuitive, too. It's, you know, I imagine, like, if I was a young 14-year-old kid seeing everything that's available on Instagram and, you know, what on YouTube, it's like, man, I want to do the stuff that not only looks awesome. Yeah. But it looks like it's what's making these guys faster, yeah. these incredible dynamic movements, yeah. these crazy jumps. And I'm guilty of it, too. Like, sometimes I just like doing shit because it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like, yeah, you need someone like you to step up and say, hey, look, like, there's a reason we need to build the foundation. Yeah. And if you can just trust the process you're actually going to be able to do all of these things yeah. at a much higher level down the road. And that's the hard part. I mean, going back to that, I know I being a dead horse, but it's like, yeah, you want to see how your car, you want to put it on the strip. Right. Yeah, right? Exactly. You want to this car example is perfect. It's driving it right? home. <laughs> I get it. I get it hundred percent. And that's why you got to, you know, include a certain level of it. You know what I mean? But at the same time, yes, building, 
building the the stability across the joints and, and the strength and taking the time to really kind of develop that. That's why I believe you do have to have a little, a, a pretty good balance of, of things within a program. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, it's tough in this, in this society, obviously with Instagram, like you said, it's just like, you, you see these guys doing this crazy thing. I'm like, when would you ever program that? Like, when would you put that in? Like you have five different movements, two jumps, then you're sprinting through some cones. It's like, when, when is that actually going to yeah. make sense? So it's, it's tough because, you know, some of it's fun and, you know, that's a great thing. But then mm. it's like from a performance standpoint, if I'm taking a guy from A to, you know, Z of what we're trying to do to get better on the field and produce results. A lot of times it's like, you can't jump ahead. You know what I mean? You can't, right. you, you gotta be able to take it in that sequential order. And uh, that's where, you know, as a performance coach, that's what it comes down to is being able to have that periodization, you know, yeah. this is where we're going. We're leading up to that. And then peaking an athlete to be able to then give them into preseason and, and, you know, translate over to sport. That's the whole thing. How well, do you better at your sport? Yeah. And maybe that, maybe that's a great uh, next place to take this conversation because um, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, isometrics, right. And, right. and compound movements. Right. Um, and I think, you know, maybe we've even talked about this the first time we talked, but there's a lot of folks who make the mistake that thinking just getting better at your squat, Mm-hmm. is going to help you jump higher, run faster, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of times they're let down to find out that they worked out hard in the weight room all summer and that didn't translate to the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'd be interested to hear from you, you know, and you already alluded to like some of these other plyometrics that you're working in and some of the other um, like more transferable, I guess, drills, skill sets, et cetera. Like how are you kind of structuring your, your general programming in terms of like the amount of maybe it's time spent or effort spent on like compound movements and time spent on things like plyometrics or uh, mm. specific sprinting drills? In a particular session? Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Across. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or just kind of, I don't know. However, however, I guess you kind of conceptualize it, right? Man, I know. I hear you. It's not the sexy answer, but you know. I believe that any good coach is always going to answer a question, a training question with it depends. Yeah. yeah, Because it really does depend on the athlete. If I have a, Mm. if I have an athlete in here and he comes to me and he's just, I talk about two different types of athletes. You got your weight room warriors. These are the guys that love to eat the weights. They'll lift all day. You see them across every single locker room in every sport. They eat the weights. They love it. But when it comes to the skill side, they Mm. usually lack because they've spent all their time in the weight room. Then you got your skill guys. And, you know, I got a lot of these skill position guys who, you know, are DBs, my wide receivers. They'll sit on, they'll go run on the field and run one-on-ones for hours, hours. But when they come in the weight room, it's, you know what I mean? It lacks. So I like to start off with a good base. It's just Mm -hmm. a simple off season base. You know, basically my program is four days a week, two upper, two lower. I mean, this is pretty standard across the board. And then, you know, from there, based on what the athlete's needs are, we have a mixture of like two basically explosive power days where it's like one single leg or unilateral one focused on bilateral. Then we usually have like a change of direction and a linear speed. And that from that yeah. balance there, depending on what the athlete's needs are, right? If it's a weight room guy, I might go 30, 45 minutes of dynamic work and we might spend a little bit less, especially mm. if absolute strength is sufficient. 
right? Got so it. If, he's, if he's, you know, a, a running back and he's benching 405 and squatting 500, I don't need to spend as much time on the weights. Now let's start mm. to transfer that. And if you think about the force velocity curve, right? Yeah. I, I love that because you can start to see where you need to, to kind of move your guy throughout that. So if they have sufficient strength, and, you know, and, you know, we want to start adding maybe that doesn't mean we stop there. We still want to increase that. Right. And still get him, them stronger and stuff like that. But now you want to kind of find the weaknesses in them. And usually, yeah. you know, just speaking from obviously a broad, broad picture here, usually what you'll see is if you got a guy that strong, um, unless he's just a genetic freak, you know, you might want to spend a little bit more time sport specific. So usually what I see is a guy that can't really transfer that strength and he needs to add more speed, like velocity to his program. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where we'll do a lot more work in, in regards to that, a lot more change of direction. Usually those guys that are extremely strong tend to be a little bit stiff. Right. right. When they're not naturally strong, they built their body up. So then oh, absolutely. I, I, I'm thinking of three guys I played with right now that <laughs> right. I mean, bench the gym. But when you got right. on the field, it was right. like oh, our boy. strongest player <laughs> in Arizona. I remember he was like benching 500, but he didn't even see the field. Yeah, exactly. He didn't even see the field. It's like what you know what I mean? Like you work all that. But, you you know, so he should spend a little bit more time on that sport specific, a little bit more time on you know, the, the performance side of things. Um, so, and, and one thing that I, you said that I think is really critical. And I think, you know, again, young people who are listening or people who have a performance-based goal, it's like that understanding of what is a sufficient amount of strength to do what you need to do is really important, right? Like the example, the guy who can bench 500, like didn't need to bench 500 to be effective at his position. He probably could have benched 400, spent right. more time, you know, sport specific or flexible right. or whatever it is, right? And been a better athlete as opposed to a better power lifter, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's why I tend to think of guys. I mean, that's why I think a performance coach is so important to athletes because you need somebody to give you that feedback. What you're good at already, you're already good at. So if it's benching five, like you, you obviously are good at. It. Like I need to find that weakness, that mm. link in your game. If this is what you're trying to do, you're trying to be a defensive end, right? right? And you could bench five hundred. I'm not trying to spend time on that chain. That's the strongest link in that chain. I'm trying to find the weak link. Yeah. What is, let me watch your game film. Let me watch you move. Let me see your lateral change of direction. Let me see how you bend. Those are the things that I want to see to go to basically develop a compass around that athlete of what direction I want to go. Yeah. Anytime that I get an athlete in, I do a full assessment. And I do a needs analysis. And my biggest thing is I interview, you know, with a lot of these higher level guys, I interview their coach. I interview their position coach or strength coach. Maybe oh, wow. You know, so I, I, I kind of try to find what is it from a performance standpoint, what can we really focus on? I always tell the story. I was working with a, a high level shortstop and, you know, at one time the, the director of player development was like, we need to find out if he's a shortstop or if we're going to move him to a different position. You know, it's a big thing in baseball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after having numerous talks, we sat down and, you know, the, 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 the athlete was like, no, I'm a shortstop, you know? So one thing that we needed to focus on was increasing his range you know, your range as far as, uh, you know, at, at short. And uh, 
that was the thing that we focused on that offseason. And uh, I always go back to the story about LeBron James when he lost the finals against the, the, the Dallas Mavericks. They played big on him and he didn't have a post game. Mm-hmm. So that offseason, he went and he hired like Akeem Olajuwon. He hired like all these big guys. And basically, he just developed his postgame bag. And nobody can take that from him ever again because that offseason, he maximally stressed yeah. one particular modality. And he had that and he has that. And you still see him. If he needs to pull it out, he still uses it. And it's right. like those things that – you know, from, again, programming for an athlete, you can have all these great things you want. But from a coach's perspective, you just got to have a bird's eye view on where you want to take that athlete. My thing is, is what you're already strong at, I don't want to spend a lot of time on. That's not Mm -hmm. what you're paying me for. You're paying me to find the weak hole in your game and maximally stress that. So then when you go use it or see it on the field or on the court, you have it now. Yeah. But I'm just trying to do it from a physical perspective. You know, uh, what's so cool to hear, and I'm thinking too, like often an athlete, an individual is not aware of their own blind spots, right? Mm -hmm. Or or, or we're not very good at objectively assessing like what we're good at, what we're not, you know? And and I I don't know who the shortstop is and I hope he's become a fantastic shortstop, but like maybe the, the conversation could have been like, Hey man, you're a much better second baseman, you know, and like talking to your coach. So what I think is really interesting is that you take the time to talk to the player development, their coach Mm -hmm. and get a broader understanding of not just, Hey, what are their weaknesses? But what I think if anyone's listening and you have a coach do this for yourself, like go ask, like, Hey, what do you need me to improve at for me to get on the field? Right. Right. Or for me to become all league, all state, like what do you think is the thing in my game that I'm currently not doing that I need to get better at? Right. Um, Because often, right. And I'm guilty of this. I think everyone is. It's like, we like to focus on the things that we're good at. Exactly. You know, it's like a positive feedback loop. And so, you know, getting some objective opinions. I think it's so cool that you do that because I I don't know how common that is. Is that common? The performance coaches will do that. Or is that just kind of like, the way you operate <laughs> I, I you know what i, I don't know yeah question i don't know i, oh, shit. I Maybe uh, we should have kept that a secret <laughs> well i've been you know i've been in the behind the scenes developing like a coaching program and it's mm. that i i strongly talk about and it's like some guys are like well how did this guy go from this to doing this and i'm like it's it, i guess on the outside it might come across as a miracle worker but all i'm really doing is taking a bird's eye view to the actual athlete, like I don't have, like I'm not extremely rigid. You have to look at an athlete when you're training an athlete, you can't look at it in reps and sets. You have to look at it as stimulus and stress, right? Mm. So you have to constantly look at like, if I have this pool of, of work and that's all the stress that I can apply to the athlete, like what am I, what stimulus am I actually adding to that, which becomes the stress, right? You, yeah. you know, if you only have like 24 hours in a day, right? You're, we talked about time management. Yeah. If you only have 24 hours in a day, how are you using that time? Well, if you only have 24 metaphorically, you know, stress, how are you using that? What stimulus are you using in that, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, so I, I kind of just look at an athlete like that as opposed to, oh, you're, you know, got to do your 
bench press. You got to do your squat. You got to do. No, it's you always have to go back to how are we making? Those are all just tools. Mm. Those are all just tools. Right. So if I'm a construction worker, these are all just tools. I don't know what the job might be. Right. But if you're a coach and all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah, right? I love that. <laughs> right. So it's like, you know, you got to have, you know, and that through experience it's just having, you know, those different things. And I'll even tell guys, it's like uh, going back to that shortstop. It's like one of the things he he, he felt weak on that he kind of shot away from was a backhand. So I was mm. like, Yo, just you know what? rep that this offseason 10,000 times after you're done your field work and all that every single time take 25 extra 30 extra just that because I promise you once you add those and you compound those over time you do that every day yeah right that offseason you've added that in your bag and it's and, and like I said I took the lesson from that from from LeBron James when he when he developed the post game Right. In day when you know sports and you watch basketball and stuff, it's like, wow, I see you. You have you have that now. Oh, it, yeah. It never leaves you. You sh- you you develop that. Uh, so I think that's what makes athletes continuously get better and better and really push the limit. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm glad you brought up because this is actually one of the things I wanted to ask you about. It, it's something I've kind of been thinking about a lot lately. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's because like, hey, I'm trying to make the most of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this this idea of stimulus, right? I, I think it, it could just be because I'm talking to really smart people. I, so I feel like the industry is moving this way. But like you said it a number of times, like it's about the stimulus. It's about the mm-hmm. stress. Um, I guess two questions. One as you're putting your athletes through these programs and and you're there and you're able to watch them, you know, how are you kind of measuring when someone is getting the adequate amount of stress or stimulus, Mm. uh, as opposed to too little or too much. Mm. And then, you know, if you don't mind after that, for people listening at home who like, you know, aren't in Florida and don't have the benefit of being able to go to your gym, uh, consistently, right. You know, what sort of things should they be looking for to make sure when they're doing an exercise, they are getting the right amount of stimulus. Hmm. So great question. Great question. Um, I like to consider myself evidence led, not evidence based. So I still do obviously think there's principles based on science and, you know, we take that, and then basically we've obviously narrowed that down into reps and sets and right. you know, all these different things and the, the training principle of, you know, progressive overload and these things. So obviously throughout the years, it's based off a template, based off science. Yeah. Um, so, so the reps and sets that are prescribed often, you know, if someone goes through this yeah. correctly, they should get. Right. If they, they get the to the program. So a lot of the, a lot of it comes down to <clears throat> getting your athlete to adhere to the program, getting them to really, you know, it's, it's a lot of talk before, you know, going into it. A lot of the guys I work with now are professionals. So, you know, whereas like maybe the first off season, they were taking that big two week trip in the middle of their training in the off season. Now I say, Hey, Take your take your couple weeks off right after season. Don't even worry about training. Just decompress. Go do your trip. But then when we start off season training into preseason, stay locked in. You know. Yeah. So there's a lot of nurturing that goes on when it comes to that. 
you obviously have your guys who, you know, who everybody's a little bit different. You know what I mean? Like I said, based off their contract, based off, it could be a high school kid wanting to get a scholarship. It could be, you know, any different level. Um, but if they can adhere to that and we can really kind of get some work in and compound on top of each other, that's the goal. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. you have to, you know, auto-regulate as you go. They, they, you know, they have external stimulus that you got to keep in mind. And this is where I really kind of like to go smaller groups because. If and, I and, when, and when you say external stimulus. Yeah. I mean, life happens. Stress yeah, happens, yeah. right there. You know, your body interprets it the same way when it releases those chemicals due to stress. It doesn't know if it's from a physical stress from like running from something or uh, or, or, you know, their girlfriend broke up with them or Janet work is just really (laughs) under your skin. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's, uh, you got to kind of level all those things out Yeah. where I don't get too rigid. If I have to pivot quickly, I will. If I start to see, for instance, when I was developing modified triphasic, my first time doing isometrics was like six weeks. I was like, they can handle this. They can handle this. Like it was mm. six week block. Yeah. Quickly, I realized we only needed four weeks with the amount of stress that we were giving the body because I also realized a lot of these athletes were obviously doing their skill work and things of that nature. Yeah. So that quickly made me pivot and go to four weeks before we deloaded and actually kind of rested and recovered the body. Hmm. Um, so I say that as an example, as I have to constantly, you know, see where these guys are at, what they have going on to then basically base it around uh, <clears throat> if they've, if they've, and really what it is, is when to recover. Okay. So I really want to kind of maximally stress them to the point where I tell them, I joke with a lot of the guys, you remember when you were in college, you know, or if you had to do this, uh, when you, when you like pulled an all nighter and you were just absolutely fatigued and your eyes uh. rained and, you, you know, you know, the feeling it's not like a muscle uh, all too well. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really when that nervous system, you know, or the immune system, you'll start to notice that immune system absolutely drop and dip and they'll almost get to a point where they're sick. And that's where we want to, you know, kind of basically allow them to recover for that amount of time. So there is a level of intuition involved. You do based off a template, you know, if a guy in signs. It sounds like when you've pushed it too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, or you're right at that brink where obviously you need to recover. Right? Ah. And, 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 you know, like I said, it's if I have a guy and he you could draw out the best program it is. And then all of a sudden life happens and he's got to go do this appointment over here and this over here. Or he needs to go back to, to his team and then come back and he misses five training sessions within that. Are you going to go straight to a deload? No, he did. Mm. He didn't get, you don't need to. You can go right into the you know next thing or extend it. Um, so again, no. there's a lot obviously to unpack there. Right. Uh, I think at the end of the day, you set up this template as best as possible, but then you just need to be in tuned with that particular athlete. And yeah, that, like I said, I, I really appreciate the smaller groups because then you can have your finger on the pulse a little bit more. Uh, on on those guys as opposed to just coming in you know let's get a, let's get some work in let's just you know drop in on some random time and do a little bit of lift 
like you're not really getting anywhere. So I kind of like to avoid those and try to stick with, hey, you're coming here. This is the three month. Give me that time. Give me that space. I need you to lock in. So a lot of it becomes the other side of coaching, which is you're, you're not just coaching on technique of, you know, an exercise. You're coaching them how to approach their off season, how to approach mm. every training session, how to approach their eating, how to approach their recovery outside of here so that we can actually maximize and optimize you this off season. Yeah, that makes sense. And, um, you know, I, I've talked about this a little bit in, in the past, but, you know, th- there are there is like a certain set of the population that will just work themselves to death. Um and I, I'll I'll put myself in that camp. And one of the things I noticed now a few years ago, and I'm much better about it, but you talk about the immune system. Like I started getting sick a lot. Mm-hmm. My sleep really deteriorated. And uh, it's funny. Like I, I started getting inside my mouth, folks, canker sores. Okay. Not on the outside. Big difference. <laughs> look it up. It matters. And, but I, I started getting these all the time and it can be a sign that, you know, some people just get it. Sometimes it's a sign that you're really sick. Uh-huh. And when I was really starting to train the first time for this decathlon, I was, just, you know, boom, 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 working hard every morning. And man, I was like, what is going on? And it took, you know, finally, I, I don't know, I read some book or maybe I listened to you and I was like, oh my God, like I've pushed myself way too hard. I'm not deloading. Uh-huh. Um, but so now like on, on the flip side, my, my question has kind of become, okay, <laughs> this is going to sound so lazy. What, what is like the minimum amount of work I can do to get enough stimulus? So yeah. as an example, right? I don't know if you know who this guy is, but um, his name is Dr. John Jaquish. And he invented the X3. And basically it's this at-home trainer. It's all resistance bands. And his whole thing is like, hey, you can get a great workout in in under like 10 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever it is. A little bit of marketing there. But the idea is like... um, he's working through an entire range of motion using resistance bands and like really kind of like high stress, slow reps. And he's like hypertrophy focused, Mm -hmm. right? So not performance focused, but it kind of got me thinking. It's like, Oh, okay. What is kind of like the minimum amount I need to do to get the adequate amount of stress? So like an example would be, Hey, if I'm doing some accessory work, Uh maybe I'm doing rows. Um, do I need to do the three sets of 12 or are like the two sets of 12 adequate? Right. So I don't know. Now I'm just kind of talking off, off, off the cuff here, but I'd be interested to hear your opinion, you know, like how do you assess what the right amount of work is and when you just start, it's either redundant Mm -hmm. or you're just overstressing yourself and you're, you know, it starts to be, uh, not beneficial any longer. No, I hear you exactly. Is is minimum effective dose, right? Like things that we need to do. You know, I like to obviously take a balanced approach because you want to look at the body as a whole. So it's like, if I want to increase, uh, you just want to balance certain things out. For instance, like as an example, like, you know, you're benching versus you're pulling. Everybody wants a bench press, right? All my athletes bench, you know what I mean? It's a big, huge thing, right? Guys want to come in. That's the number they want to do. You know how it's like a rite of passage in high school. Like, I'm gonna do <laughs> but it's like what leads to that is like they don't pull enough. So it's like, you know, some of these guys that have that, I, I, again, I base it. It depends on the athlete. I know I hate to go back and say that, but it just it really depends on that because I might spend very little time on certain things on an athlete, but they're going to be incorporated so that we can balance the body out. 
um, just so you don't develop proper imbalances. And now, obviously, again, you have to look at the athlete, right? Mm. Uh, you know, baseball athletes are very pattern overload. They perform the same motor pattern over and over and over again. Thousands so, of times. Exactly. Yeah. So they're going to be different than, say, a football player. But a football player might need a little bit more of, you know, X, Y, Z, depending on what position they play or, or, or what they're doing. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's kind of it's, a, I guess, a lot to unpack. But I try to always do the minimum effective dose on the things that are they're strong at maximum effective dose on the things that they are weak at that's just kind of where i i guess i approach it it's like what what is the thing the objective i always have in the back of my mind on each athlete even if they're in the group following the same program yeah like what do we really need to like this guy doesn't need to do too much of that right he doesn't need to really focus on that where uh, okay he needs to focus on this so i'm gonna really kind of get in his ear when he's doing this particular thing or give him a little bit more outside of that. Yeah. Or like for instance, right now I have a, a G league basketball guy and he came to me. He's a great ball player. I don't know how long, how he's gotten this elite with being, you know, his, his physical performances. He's, he's, he's got some Twitch, but he's extremely tight. So mm. like I have him doing homework at home. And I have him doing like basically a gymnastic style static stretching mobility to really increase his flight. He has true tightness. So I'm really having him do a lot more. It's not really minimum effective dose there. It's like we need to really try to, you know, mobilize, like basically create some flexibility here. It's like inhibiting his range of motion. It's inhibiting sort of his range of motion. He can't yeah. get certain things. So I'm like, if you can increase this and now you can move here. And obviously we're in, we're increasing his strength as we, you know, parallel to this. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, but it's one of those things where he needs to spend time on that particular thing. So it's, it, it it's hard. It, I guess it comes down to the goal. Right. What are you yeah. trying to do? Is it, you know, if, if you were to say like, what's the, what's the minimum dose for like, if I need to gain muscle and you know what I mean? There's, there's different things. That's a really good point. Yeah. And it's yeah. also based off your genetics. Like you, for instance, if you were to mm. say that, it's like, dude, you're freaking, you're a genetic freak. Right. So, so thank you. This is, I, was, I was, you know, I've been waiting an hour just to get some. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's called spade a spade. And it's no, like, thank you. you know, you are going to I have guys in here that look at weights and get bigger. Right. Whereas other guys, it's like right. they, I'm just hammering home, you know, doing reps and reps and reps. And it doesn't seem like they get anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it it comes down to what the goal is, if it's hypertrophy or strength, you know, guys are naturally strong. Great, great you know, point, it's yeah. just I remember uh, I had this one athlete. He's the biggest genetic. And so unfortunate he was never able to play. But I was trying to prepare him for a pro day and we were trying to get him in one. And uh, he told me he didn't train in like eight months. And I believed him like he didn't have anything to, you know. So we get into our evaluation and he, you know we get him on the bench and I'm just trying to kind of get a figure. I'm like, all right, let's hit like a three rep max, kind of see where you're at. We yeah. kept building up three plates on now it's four plates on it's four or five. And he hits it for three, just like a toothpick. And I'm like, all right, we don't need to go anymore. Then he gets on the squat and we build up to 495, and he's just like jumping with the bar on his back. And I'm like, all right, 
all right, we're good. Like this is natural strength. And it's just wow. one of those things that You're just on a different level. Right. I'm not exactly. So it's, it's one of those things that people are so unique and so different. Yeah. Um, it, it really does. Like I said, it comes down to, to who the athlete is and what the goal you're trying to get. Cause here's for That's instance, such a good point because it's like, even me doing 60 something of these episodes, even still, you know, I asked that question, be like, oh, well, there must be an answer to, and it's like, well, okay, well, what are you trying to achieve? It's like, oh, right. Shit. All right. Right. But for instance, like, <laughs> here's another example is like maximum velocity, right? So top mm. speed in sprinting. You know, I, I teach a lot of that and I tell guys when it comes to speed. So here, just to use it as an example, like acceleration, you're starting from a dead stop. So the velocity is not as high as top speed, mm. right? And usually I can put you in a position that can increase your acceleration, your first zero to 10 yards. Top speed, if you think about top speed, it's exactly how it sounds. You're moving at a max velocity. So for me to change a motor pattern, I need to rep that particular pattern, right, hmm. to get that adaptation like 10,000. Sometimes it might take like three, four off seasons before I can see that change in top speed mechanics to make create more efficient movement. Right. It takes thousands upon thousands of reps because you're moving at such a high velocity for it to actually stick. Whereas hmm. some guys, you know, that can they they can they can kind of be coachable and be able to change that at a high velocity. So yeah. it's also how you process as an athlete that information, um, you know, and then are able to kind of get it to stick at a high velocity. And that also comes down to genetics as well. But all these things can be trained. Yeah. Oh man, it's so interesting. Um <laughs> Well, you know, here's the thing, and I, I know we're coming up on an hour, but you, you said something at the very beginning that I think a lot of people probably suffer from and might not even realize it. Again, mm -hmm. I raise my hand in this camp. Um, and that's when, you know, you don't have the proper uh, motor patterns mm -hmm. firing, right? So as an example, I, I don't even remember, it might have even been through reading triphasic training or, mm -hmm. but I realized that, you know, since I had stopped playing football in college at 22, 23, or however old I was, and when I started trying to really get back into kind of like performance-based training mm -hmm. in my early thirties, you know, my, I, I eventually discovered my glutes were like not firing, mm. you know, and I had a ton of lower back pain. Um, mm. and to the point where like, I, you know, my first kid, I would bend over to try and get him out of the crib and I would be like, Oh, I could like mm. barely do it. And I'm like mm. 225. I'm not a small person. So I was mm. like, what is going on here? Like something is wrong. Um, can, can you talk a little bit about, I guess, what's happening there, how you identify that? Um, and then, you know, like just some easy ways for people if they're like, you know, like that's me, like I, I'm using my back, I'm not using my glutes. How, how do they start to like rectify that and get those muscles to fire again? Yeah, so that's a great and that's really what, you know, I know <laughs> I should have gave some backstory when we kind of got right into the modified triphasic. Oh, no, because um, I just literally just was like, you know. I'm, I'm so excited about the stuff that I just I have to remember, I have to take a step back and paint the picture before we we go into each with it. No, but, it was great. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to the, you know, training. Uh, the isometrics, the reason why the, the they're so keen is because you're putting them in a position and you're locking them in a position and you're cueing them to do a particular thing. Right. Hmm. For instance, if I'm going down into a squat, an iso extreme squat, and I kind of basically took this a step further from uh, from from Jay, 
Uh, ISO extreme is, is a word he uses. Basically, he puts you in a deep end range of motion. For instance, mm. if you're in a split squat or a split lunge, you're in like a deep lunge where, yeah. you know, and then your hips are dropped to about knee level. And then you're basically holding that position. But the key to those movements are that you're pulling them into position. And that's really what reduces compensation. So what I mean by that is going back to the squat, I'm going to have an athlete come down under control. I'm going to have their hips right above knee level. And then once they get into that position at the deep end range of the squat, right? Yeah. I'm going to have them try to pull or screw their feet into the ground and almost I try to tell them think about trying to if you're on carpet think about ripping that carpet apart like trying to tear yeah. it between your two feet okay yeah so, so if I'm doing that or if let's say I'm standing between two mats I'm trying to drive my feet down and out and by doing that now we're activating I'm not just passively sitting into a squat position where the quads are going to take and be firing to be able to hold you in that position i'm actually firing my hips so every time i do so when i'm doing that now and teaching them to sit in that now i'm engaging the glutes and i'm firing them up you know maximally right so yeah, and, you, and that is different right because again if someone just got a hold of your program or they saw one of your videos and they went and tried to do an isometric hold they could just be passively sitting and be like, why am exactly. I not getting better? And it's like exactly. that little, I mean, again, that's the importance of coaching. Exactly. Um, but like that little like mental cue, it's like, mm -hmm. no, you need to be, it's you're it's static, but like it's firing. It's firing. Exactly. And then in yeah. that lunge, your front leg is pulling back and your back leg is pulling forward, almost like you're creating like a scissor motion with the two legs. So instead mm -hmm. of just sitting there and now your quad is holding that position, you're actively firing the glutes and hamstrings, and then the hip flexor on the backside to pull into that position. Yeah. And that's when the clock starts. That's your actual work. Oh. So doing that, that obviously, you know, it's going to recruit maximum motor patterns, but then it really gets you to utilize those muscles. So then when I go into like, say the next phase or go to a compound movement, like a squat where we actually add resistance uh -huh. again, we've learned that now let's transfer it over to, Hey, you're actually performing a squat. In fact, if you perform a squat in triphasic and you're not actively pulling those feet apart, the back is going to take the brunt. So when they go to do like an isometric or an eccentric hole, especially with accommodating resistance, your back is going to get fired up. That's the first thing to tell you. You're not, you're not screwing your feet in the ground. You're not producing torque right hmm. through the hip by externally rotating the femur. Yeah. So you're not driving, right? You're not driving. I'm like sitting here. I'm like, man, have I, was, have I, was I doing this wrong? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Not engaging the hips. All too many times we just go through motions, but that's why isometrics was so important because when I say reducing compensation, it's teaching my guys how to properly engage the hips when they go to perform a hip extension movement. Mm. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. a lot of those were like really supporting and building that foundation of going to the next thing. So when you say engaging, it's it, again, it, we're using obviously the squat and we're using the hips because we've been talking vertical jump. Mm -hmm. But the body's, you know, to, all we're trying to do is create efficient movement, right? And it's like if our hips are the, the driving engine, it's like we want to get those those firing to be able to then 
you know, move properly and efficiently the way our body is naturally intended to do. Well, and you know what, this conversation, I think, and I, I hope for people listening has been really helpful because it's kind of a reminder, you know, there's so many layers to this, there right? So many. <laughs> but like, I'm, all, I'm, I'm all over the place. No, I know. But, it, you know, it's like, hey, look, like, okay, even if you get the perfect program, it has all the right exercises, all the right reps and sets, the next layer down is kind of like, you, oh, maybe I'm over some fly now, but like the way I'm thinking about it, it's like, man, okay, where is that stimulus coming from how do mm -hmm. i activate it correctly mm -hmm. you know so even just within like doing an isometric exercise it's two different things just holding a position and then to your point firing the muscles in the right way or like pronating and you know what i mean making right. sure that like you're you're developing um the right motor pattern so it's just right. uh i hope it like encourages people to like go a level deeper or yeah. think about the exercise in a different way. Like, Oh, when I go to do this, am I just going through the motions and thinking I'm getting better because I'm doing the right reps and sets or like, am I doing it the right way? Am I getting the right stimulus? Are there other ways I could tweak this? Right. I feel like it kind of opens up another realm of possibility. Absolutely does. And you know, obviously you can go deep on it. People can go deep on any single aspect of performance training. You know mm. what I mean? I hate to say it, and I'm going to contradict myself here, but at the end of the day, going back to your point, it's like if you understand the principle of training of just being able to add more stress and different stimulus progressively throughout it, you're going to get better. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if if you're talking, working with guys, and we talked about it with like as far as performance goes, it's like our guys in 20 years going to start running, you know, four one four oh three nine forties no like every but what happens though is that other population starts to continue to rise up so what i see in 30 40 years is more guys you're, you're gonna get more guys running four threes more guys running four twos where it's gonna be a norm hmm. right? and and you know at the end of the day we're talking about adding one percent across the board in multiple things and you add all those 1% up and they become, you know, we increase by 15% this, this off season. So if you look at it like that, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. That makes sense. yeah. Well, and I just, I just watched DK Metcalf run like a 10, three, 600 at a, you don't a realize how impressive that is. He's like, like two and he's two thirty five. Two thirty five. And it was pretty cool. I, yeah. I just watched it. And so number one, when they like pan out and they show all eight lanes, and you see that he's like, you know, four inches taller than everyone else. And I mean, literally, he looks every bit of 235 compared to these guys who are like 190. Yeah. And then to see him move at that speed, and you're like, okay, that is a true but people don't athletic really, freak. Athletic freak. And people don't also factor in the fact that like there's a level of conditioning of running the 100 meters. There's a level of like training and like coming out of the blocks. And now obviously it looked like he had some experience, but even moving efficiently, it's like these guys prepare their entire life for life. one race. And this guy's just hopping in and he's just raw speed. It's like, imagine telling that track athlete to go run a route. It's like not happening. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like these guys work their entire lives on like, um, you know, one particular thing. So of right. course they get better at that one particular thing. Like I have guys... That's why I say there's a difference between game speed and, and you know, linear speed. Because mm -hmm. you know? I've worked with a track athlete, track athletes, and I worked with one recently, he's 100 meter, but like he could probably beat my fastest football player, but 
my fastest football player on the field is gonna just absolutely, you know, because you're processing information, you're you're doing so much more. There's just such a difference there that I felt like people were like, you know, I saw some different guys saying certain things like even the fastest, you know, football player is. And I'm like, you have no idea how impressive that is. I don't right. think you really understand. You know what I mean? Well, and, and it's, uh, you know, I, I ran track in high school and even just in a hundred meter, there's so many phases to that yeah. sprint. Yeah. It got, to your point, guys spend their whole life trying to yeah. master like that yeah. drive phase and then the yeah. top. Two. So I, when I watched that, I was just like, oh, man, this guy's – I'm glad I'm a Seahawks fan because <laughs> uh, he's, he's, he's an absolute, absolute monster. Um, well, Chris, man, this, this has been incredible. Oh, one thing I want to ask you. You have been doing – I mean, you, you jumped the 44 inches – do you personally, and I know you're busy, you got the kid, you got, uh, you got everything that you're doing with overtime and the number of businesses you're running. Like wh what is your training looking like today? Do you have any goals that you're going after? Oh man. So obviously with the kid, I got into dad bob mode for a little bit. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> hoping you really, but, um, <clears throat> I'm slowly climbing out of that. No, but, uh, you know what I've been, I've been obviously, you know, I'm always constantly kind of like testing different things. So there was a little period of time that I was testing out a lot of these modalities as far as modified triphasic, um, beyond that, man, I've just been kind of really kind of playing with a lot of, uh, minimum effective dose training. So I've been playing with a lot of, uh, total body hmm. and a lot of total body science has been coming out and stuff like that. And I've been kind of paying attention to a lot of that as far as like hypertrophy and strength goes. Oh, okay. Um, in my mind, I was just, uh, you know, at the end of the day with business being, um, uh, creating a lot of time it's, again, going back to the stress principle. It's like when I was training like strong man and like going hard on like, say for instance, like strength, I just was, I was at my capacity and I couldn't mm. balance that with work home and everything. So I started getting into like, okay, well, how do I, you know, not completely crush my body, you know, training one body part and really focusing on like a strength and then hypertrophy. Yeah. Uh, so to, so to answer the question, <clears throat> I've been kind of playing with total body training and really trying to learn kind of the ins and outs of that. Hmm. Uh, while also, again, minimal effective dose with strength. I think it's my duty to be strong later in life. Obviously, having my son um, has motivated that because I want to be able to play with him. And I want him to know that, you know, have that kind of super superhero complex to him. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, that's that's a big part of it for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't want him to just look back on old YouTube videos and, and you know. In, in that kind of regards. But, um, you know, I always like to be able to be able, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? I know you can appreciate that because you, you're just, you know, have the same mindset and just be able to perform later in my life. Yeah. Um, you know, this is the machine we've been given, you know, I want to treat it right. Um, and, uh, so I want to continuously kind of learn different things and I've always used Dating back to when I playing days, it's like I've always used myself as like the guinea pig to a lot yep. of the different theories and stuff I have. And uh, I think this is one of them, you know, because I kind of came out with that athlete built series. Yeah. Where it was like, you know, train, still be able to perform later in your life and, and look like an athlete. That was the big thing is how do you look like an athlete? Well, there's certain you know, muscles you want to hypertrophy and stuff like that. Based Which on I think is what so many people really want. 
Yeah. They see, they see, they see DK Metcalf. Yeah. And they're like, well, can you help me look like that? Because yeah. I think that guy does really well at the bar. And yeah. <laughs> that's the direction <laughs> I would like to go. Um, so I, I completely hear you. Yeah. yeah. So th- this is this is very interesting to me. Yeah. So, you know, my thing was, is going back to what you're saying is just I've been kind of playing and putting together and meticulously kind of seeing mm. from a total body perspective how I can still get that kind of same feeling as I was and, and, you know, just feel great and, uh, and, uh, and look great from an athlete standpoint, um, still be able to go when I want to, you know, if there's a a kickball game at the barbecue, I want to still be able to, you know, not worry about pulling something. Right. Uh, But also, but also at the same time, um, not, kill myself because I came from, we talked about it. We both played ball. It's like when you're in it, when you're in an off season, like that grind and everything, like I just can't right now manage that with the businesses and the home life and one has to falter. Right. So I'm kind of on this mission to kind of find like a, a, a four, three, four, five day a week kind of total body, get in, get out and, you know, be able to, you know, work with what, what, what we have as far as time given and, but still get the same kind of benefits. Um, so the, I mean, we'll, we'll have to have you back on in the future. Um, yeah. but I, I, I really want to hear how this works out. Cause so for my mind, I, I've become much more conscious of longevity and actually we have some really, um, fantastic guests coming up on that topic, but that, that's what my next kind of, you know, I have some very short term goals that I'm interested in. So I still kill myself in some ways, but, Long term, my question is kind of like, how long can I keep this up? Maybe not needing to to operate at this crazy high level that I'm at in some respects, but like, how do you maintain a really high level for a really long time? And I'm encouraged when I see the incredibly fit 60 year old, right? Or or the 80 year old who like just went out and did his triathlon or I I see the blueprint that some people in a a lot of it might be genetic, but I think we're getting to a place where a lot more people are going to be able to do it. It's like, how do you live a life where, you know, you get to do everything you want with your kid. And then with your grandkid, you're still out there throwing the ball around. Yeah, You're still playing, you know, flat, you know, that, that is like my next kind of goal. So it's like, how do you find that happy medium of maintaining a fairly high level, but being able to stretch that out over, you know, decades? Yeah, absolutely. I think this, you know, this is going to sound, you know, I don't want to say esoteric, but just looking from a bird's eye view, I think that the 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 hunger to want to do it is what's going to allow you to do it. Yeah. A lot of guys just stop. And a lot of guys are, you know, they, they, you know, they, they kind of just don't do it. And uh, I think just the, the, the wanting to be able to play with your grandkids and the wanting and the feeling like your duty to stay stronger at the end of your life and just committing to it, even when you have like rough times like this and continuously like, OK, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not at my best. I'm not at my optimal. It's like you have your mindset of when you're playing days and stuff like that. But it's like being aware of that and wanting to do it, I think, right. is what's going to drive you. The reason why I say that is because my grandpa was a superhero to me. On my mom's side, I mean, he was a Marine, he boxed, he played football at Rutgers, you know, he, but the simple fact that like, he, he, you know, he passed this past year, but 
you know, he, in his older age, he was still able to move extremely well and he was still able to do all these things. And I think it was a simple fact that he just always took care of his body. Yeah. Even when he didn't know the science behind it and the minimum effect, I think he just took care of his body properly. He had good balance and he constantly stayed active. Yeah. You know what I mean? So whatever that particular thing was, I think it was just that hunger to try to, uh, uh, in his duty, it felt like to stay right. strong later, I think is what drove him to, to figure it out in each phase of his life as he went through it. Yeah. Um, you know, so as long as you're not out doing it and like, go, go, like out doing yourself and crushing yourself and creating injuries and stuff like that, that really yeah. back, you're having that balance. You know what I mean? I think that's what's going to end up driving you to be able to to do that for a long time. I think what happens is guys hit a cliff and then just just kind of don't care for a long period of time. And, and then, then they, they try and get back to care. That's when it's extremely tough to get back into things. And then, you know, it, it's usually a little bit too little too late. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. And I had a uh, a summer school Spanish teacher who told me, uh, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And I was Stay like, ready, you have to get ready. I was like, all right, well, <laughs> that's actually pretty, that's pretty damn good advice. Yeah. Uh, well, Chris, man, th this has been awesome. Uh, I think folks are going to take a lot away from this one. So there's, there's a lot of places. We talked a little about Elite Vertical Academy, but for yeah. people who want to follow you, wh where can I direct them? Um, you know, depending on your outlet, you know, I'm pretty much on most you of got, them. You guys are everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Overtime athletes. So it's on YouTube, Instagram. TikTok. We're on TikTok. Oh, you're on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Staying with, stay with the times. With the times, man. Trying to keep up with the times. I can't watch. I can't watch it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> talk about going down rabbit holes. Yeah. yeah I, I remember rabbits. at the beginning of the pandemic, we were like, what is this TikTok thing? And then two hours later, oh we're like, what God. happened? Well, like, hey, I, I can't get into this. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. But um, but yeah, whatever your outlet is, overtime athletes, it, you know, we have a website as well. And, <clears throat> you know, I know we kind of touched on all that modified triphasic, but it's so much to unpack. I just came out with a full series on the YouTube channel, just kind of walking oh, awesome. through each thing, walking through each phase. It kind of explains it a little bit deeper, obviously, because I was just trying to punch in where I was kind of developing all this and my mindset behind it. Yeah, I'll, I'll link to, I'll link to all that. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. That'll be great for people. Uh, and yeah, man, you know, I'm around. Awesome. Well, hey, I'm serious. Uh, I, I will, I will start doing the elite vertical Academy. I had so much fun and I saw such awesome results from the flight system. I can't wait to try this. Awesome. Um, I might have to dial it back to your point in some places, just given stress trying to get through the day sometimes, but, <laughs> uh, I can't wait, man. Well, awesome. Chris, thank you. And, uh, if you're up for it, man, we'll have to have you back in the future again. Absolutely. I love this. I always enjoy this, man. It's always great to hear from you. Amazing things that you're doing over there. I love, uh, you know, where you've been taking this. And, uh, you know, I, I love to see the, the vision, the inception of it and then where you've gone. So yeah, appreciate you having me back on man and, and being able to share and, uh, thank you very much. Sir. Yeah. I appreciate it. Man, mommy. You better go ask mommy, daddy. <laughs> um, so another great one with Chris. Yeah. He's always really fun to listen to. Maybe we just bring him back every week. Maybe I just hand the show off to him, actually. <laughs> yeah, someone who knows what they're doing. Someone who has an idea what they're doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, so I knew it would be a good one. 
Um, and I was particularly interested because he has the Elite Vertical Academy coming out. I can't wait to start it. I'm going to start it tomorrow. Yeah, that's really exciting for you. You loved his first program. I loved it. And I worked with him on like a one-on-one level. And maybe uh, this will be an incentive for you to get back on Instagram documenting it. You're right. I know. <laughs> I need to. Here's the problem. I like it. And I, you know what I actually liked a lot more than I thought I would? Like, I, you really do get to like interact with people that you would otherwise never interact with. Mm-hmm. People ask questions. They give, they give feedback. Like, I learned a lot from people doing Instagram. Yeah. Um, people would write and be like, hey, you could do this better. You've blah, also blah. been getting a lot less inappropriate pictures and messages lately <sighs> since you've had a hiatus. Yeah. Now, is that a reason for me to stay off or get back <laughs> on Instagram? Um, but I got to be honest, the hardest, like, I don't know how these people do it who just post constantly. I know. I mean, like. It's not all work. Don't you have shit going on? I don't know. I'm, I'm over here trying to do stuff, but no, I need to. Um, but you're right. I'm very excited because I think if I start documenting this, I'm going to be really excited to share it. Yeah. Now definitely. I can't give too much away No. because it's also <laughs> his program. Yeah. Uh, but I'm very excited. I'm very excited just to try it. <laughs> um, where was I going with all this? Oh, that's right. Uh, Kendall Jenner's tequila. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 You wanted to talk to me about that. And I said, listen, lady, save it. No, I was on my phone while you were like fiddling with things, trying to get the microphone set up. Might be my biggest pet peeve. And you were like, what are you looking at? (laughs) And I was looking at Kendall Jenner's new tequila. See, and I was worried that you were doing something that was a waste of time. (laughs) But then I found out you were reading about Kendall Jenner's tequila right when we were trying to record. She's got a big green, green, like, um, it's kind of like an ice cream truck. Okay. That's called Kenny's tequila truck. Hey now. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Why Kenny's? Kendall, Kenny. They call her Kenny. They call her Kenny? Yeah. Like, that's the last thing I need. (laughs) That just makes the name recognition even harder. Now I have to battle a Jenner? Yeah. (laughs) What's the story with the tequila? She's just another rich white person who wants a tequila company? Yeah, I guess so. Is that the issue? You said there's some pushback? Yeah, people, well, initially people weren't happy. I don't know. I'm interested to try it. I really like the Rocks tequila. I mean, he's not Mexican, so I guess there was pushback on that too. He's a Pacific Islander though, so you yeah, know. Yeah, but that no, tread it's lightly. like Mexican. Like it's like the Mexicans are like, no, this is our thing, and yeah. now it's all these like rich celebrities coming in and. Isn't it like Jalisco, Mexico, or something? It's like a very specific region within yeah. Mexico too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like tequila, Mexico. Yeah, that's not the name of it, but it's like a region. It's like I wish it was called Tequila Mexico. Wasn't it? it is. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. That's okay. It's okay. It's tequila though, right? And it's like, yeah. uh, it's it, like, it can only, you can only call it tequila if it's from these like certain regions. Right. So Isn't all these like Mexican the families way? that have been in the tequila business for all these years are like, what the hell, this is our thing. And then it's like <laughs> George Clooney with Casamigos, The Rock with Terramana. Yeah. Tequila, te- or what's her face? Kenny, <laughs> Kenny Jenner. Kenny Jenner. With 818 tequila. And there's more too, right? Oh yeah. I mean, there's so many. I think, uh, doesn't Diddy have a tequila? Puff Daddy? Maybe. P. Diddy? I don't know what he's going by these Puffy? days. Puffy? I don't either. I can't keep up. <laughs> I just, I'm shocked that Kendall Jenner goes by Kenny. I uh, met him in Miami going, coming out of like a colonic session back when I was in, a teenager. I'm sorry. He was like really I'm on sorry. to that trend before. Like, there, hold on, hold on. There, you, there, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> okay. You met Puff Daddy and this is the first time hearing of this. I've told, I've probably, well, maybe I haven't, I don't know. Do you know how many stories I've heard multiple times and you've been <laughs> holding out on this one? Never mind. Moving on. Colonic. 
Is this your colonic session? No, no, no. Was I was coming Diddy's out of getting my session? hair done. <laughs> and there was a colonics place next door. I was like, he, wow, you really just freely <laughs> dropped that for everybody. I would actually really love to try colonics because, hmm. and we should get someone on here to talk about it because it's supposed to be very good for your gut health, right? Uh, you know what? Yeah, I don't know that, but I have heard that. I would be interested to learn more too. I yeah, agree. I'm, I'd be very interested. Um, yeah, he was on that like, I was like a teenager. So like 15 plus years ago. Yeah, he was on it early, huh? Yeah. I mean, he looks great. Yeah, he actually really does. It might be the colonics. Uh, he actually does look great. And at this point, I don't know, how old is he? He's got to be in his 50s. Oh, yeah, right? He's got to be. We were like children when he was huge. Yeah, man. I mean, he was doing the most. I was I was a big Puffy fan. I'm not going to lie to you. Oh, um, you could just imagine me out in Arlington, Washington, riding the school bus with my disc man. Your flannel. Just bumping Biggie. Uh Anyways, moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, back, so, to the, back to the podcast. Yeah, sorry. What were we talking about? Why are we here? A lot of good, lot of good stuff in this one. Mm-hmm. Now, I know your favorite are the strength training ones. Mm-hmm. Am I correct? So yeah, you my must, favorite. I really get the most out of these. You <laughs> must have just been jazzed up to hear about modified triphasic. Yeah. No, it makes me kind of feel like I should be doing, I should have more of a thought out workout mm. plan because it you know, like my one goal that I like keep putting off is the one pull up, yeah. like being able to do a pull up and like, I just never do it. I, I would really like you to help me with like an actual plan All right, and stick to it. Cause I know you did a while ago, but then it got erased on the board. So it, it's, it's, <laughs> the plan ceased to exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was no longer on the gym chalk board. Um, yeah, we could definitely do that. And I do. <laughs> And look, I'll, I'll give you a lot of credit. You do a lot and you are in physical shape that I think many young single women without kids would die to be in. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you a pass on the pull up. Uh, however, yeah, I do think there is a lot to be said for having a structured workout. Mm-hmm. If you have a specific goal, cause you know how it is. Like if you just kind of go in there willy nilly with like your free time. Yeah. That's what I did this morning. Yeah. And I had like no plan. Usually I like know what I'm going to do kind of. Yeah. And I just like got nothing done. That's the, like it took me like an hour and a half to get like a very mediocre me- workout in. And that is frustrating when you have limited time. Yeah. Um, so that's why I mean. I feel like I, I had too much time this morning because like the baby was napping and we like, <laughs> like what I, I had an hour and a half so that I, was, I wasn't like as pressed to get it. Done, yeah. You know? You're like, oh, I'll just have a nice workout. I just like kind of was lazy about it. And then and I had like 20 minutes left before I had to get Harper on the bus. And I was like, oh shit. A couple of celebrity tequila news updates later and <laughs> whole workout's gone kaput. Uh, but no, that you know, honestly, that's why I started working with Chris is one, I had a very specific goal and I was like, okay, yeah. I could try and figure this whole thing out myself mm-hmm. or I could pony up a little extra money, pay someone who's an expert in it. Mm-hmm. And I, but honestly, one of the biggest benefits of doing that was when I walked into the gym, there was no thinking. There was no walking around being like, Oh, what should I do next? It was like, Nope, it's, it's ABC. It's for this many reps. Yeah. You get things done a lot quicker. Totally. So whatever, we'll do a pull up workout. Thanks babe. Yeah. We're going to get you jacked. It's going to be awesome. All the girls at bar are going to be really jealous once that becomes a thing again. Um, but I was I was actually very interested in his new twist on triphasic training. I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. The triphasic stuff's awesome. Mm-hmm. One really really cool. It makes it interesting. Not just like you know, if you're like a, a still a high level athlete, 
like it's great because it's going to get you towards your performance goals faster. I firmly believe that. Mm-hmm. But if you're someone who just like likes to keep working out and you like to stay in tip shape, you know, tip top shape, yeah. it, it, it adds another like element of uh, like, and I'm not gonna say novelty because it's not like a novel thing, but like you get excited. You're like, oh, for these three weeks, like I'm doing it this way. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah, it like keeps it fresh. So I like doing it almost as much just for that reason. But um, this modified triphasic, one of the biggest things that I took away from this conversation, and it's not like an explicit takeaway, something he said, but this is just another example of there's always opportunity for improvement. Yeah. Right? Like just because triphasic works and it does and it's fantastic. And I think there's a lot of people who'd say like, hey, the, I've gotten results from this that I... I I was plateauing for so long and this finally helped me break through Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that there's not room to take it like to the next level. And so it was really cool to hear from his standpoint, Hey, you know, I was using this template that I'd built off something that's proven uh, Mm -hmm. and I was getting great results, but like, he's like, is there a way I can make it better? Is there a way I can eke out more faster? You know, and cool to hear that like he had hired a doctorate student or someone trying yeah, to get their really doctorate. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and dove into the research and like he always says, um, you know, evidence led. It was cool that like he saw something in the research that had come out and was like, all right, what based on what I've learned, how can I implement this to try and help my guys get just even more of an edge? Yeah. It's also cool that he uses himself as a guinea pig. Like I he, know. I really appreciate that. Because a lot of these that. coaches that are like a little older, like whatever, not as fit. Mm-hmm. They can't really do that as much, but he's like still such an athlete that he can test things out on himself to see what works and what doesn't. Yeah. And it's, it's been cool to hear. I know this is something you want to talk about, but it's been cool to hear that, you know, as he goes through his own transition in life, like he's got a kid and he's balancing a lot of different um, things with regards to work. So, you know, he's, he's moving away from solely being a guinea pig himself. Yeah. He's doing more total body stuff, which I thought was cool. Yeah. It's but, more like relatable to the average listener who's like. I just like, I've got a lot on my plate. Mm-hmm. I want to look my best and like be able to perform my best with the least amount of time spent. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of people like yeah. that. Cause I used, I used to do like total body things, but now I don't really do that. I do like, I have like my three leg days and my mm-hmm. three leg cardio and upper body days. Yeah. No, I used to do total body as well. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's guys who do total body at a very high level. Like when we talked to Joe Ken, like yeah. when he was winning like NFL strength and conditioning coach of the year, like the Panthers were doing total body. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's not to say like you're, you're giving back or you're, you're giving up on the ability to do like really intense high level work. Um, but I agree. It's cool that he tests this out on himself. Yeah. Cause there's, there's those who like, you don't have to be a great player to be a great coach, but I agree. I appreciate it more when someone is putting themselves through it. Yeah. They know like, what it feels you know what? like. It drives they, me crazy. Yeah. When I go it? to, I mean, this is not really that comparable, but anyway, <laughs> like when I would go to like a bar class or like soul cycle or whatever, like, and the instructor yeah. is not like in great shape. I'm like, why am I doing this? If like you do this every day and you're not in great shape, why I, am I here sweating with you? Like, I agree. Is anything even being accomplished? You know, I agree. I know it's a lot about what you eat, but like... No, it's true. It's kind of like... I, you, you like trust them more when you're like, oh, yeah, you look the part. And it, it leaves a little room for doubt when you see someone who's like, hey, this is the best cardio workout for getting like skinny. And then you're like, oh, 
I know. And you're like, hmm. you're not skinny. <laughs> well, what do we, uh, what's the answer? Why, why do we have that tire around our waist over there? What's going on if you're doing this every day? Yeah. Why am I supposed to buy in that I'm going to get jacked up doing this? Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. It's like false advertising. Yeah. Might've been some offensive stuff in there we said. But, I know. Uh, I was like, ooh, Kenny, you're really, ugh. you're a bit rude. Ooh, dial it back. This is not, <laughs> this is not the era to be making those comments. Uh, but no, I agree. It's nice when you see the proofs in the pudding, someone who not only like is implementing a good strategy, but has lived it and has gotten tremendous results from it as well. Mm-hmm. Point made. Yeah. Next takeaway. Something else I really liked. Needs analysis. I really enjoyed hearing that like when he gets one of these high level guys and maybe he does it for his high school athletes and youth athletes as well. I don't know. I didn't ask, but he goes, Hey, I want to talk to the strength coach, the head of player development and your position coach and you know, whoever else I can get my hands on to understand what do they need out of you for you to contribute to the team? Like for you, yeah, that is like such a smart move and it's surprising that more people don't do that. But like you would think that that would just be common sense. Like, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, you would think that would be. And I I, re- I really don't know how common that is. It could be. And, I, you know, the best ones, the guys who probably work really well with these pro sports teams, you know, maybe they're doing that. Um, mm. But I think a lot of these guys who train, like, you know, they've got their ego. Yeah, well, they want all the glory, yeah. And they're like, no, I know how to do it. Yeah. Like, totally. I'm, you know, I'm going to get this guy ready. What they're doing over there. I feel team. like we've had a couple guests on that were kind of like that. Oh, 100%. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to name names, though. Yeah. Not going to name names. <laughs> but I was like, hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Agreed. Totally in sync. But I just thought, one, that's awesome. Like, if you're a coach, this is going to be a long run up by my wife, but that's okay. If you talked about Kendall Jenner way too long. Did we? Yeah. Well, you know what? The world needs to know. She's doing uh, stuff. <laughs> I think if you're a coach, there's a really important lesson there, but also as an individual, as an athlete, right? That's a really great lesson. You want to get on the field, go find out what your coach needs from you mm-hmm. to be someone that they can't, they, they can't risk having on the bench, like mm-hmm. get yourself so good that like they have to play you, but to be played, it depends upon what the coach is looking for. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of kids who are like, oh, it's political or it's the coach or it's like, well, did you ask what the coach needs? Yeah. You might not have asked. Same thing at work. Oh, why didn't I get the promotion? Yeah. I think I was talking about those Ray Cash Care. It's like, did you ask? Yeah. Did you find out what they were looking for so that the next time when it comes up, like you check all those boxes? Yeah, totally. <laughs> were you getting fired up? Yeah. <laughs> why don't you ever ask me what you need to do to uh, be, be a better a, wife? Be a better wife. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's necessary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot. Uh, okay, well, I'll ask later because I feel like <laughs> maybe I'd be a better husband. I don't know. Uh, feet off the table when we're recording, please. My goodness. What kind of operation are we running here? Um, last one. I kind of already said this, but... Uh, How many takeaways do we have here? Well, I had a lot. Okay, I'll, I'm going to dial it back because this is going to turn into its own podcast. Last thing, though, this is really important. Must build, Must build a base. Yeah. Okay. Got to have a foundation. Yeah, that's a good one. So much so, right, that he even took what was normally the middle phase and triphasic, moved it to the front because he identified that's actually more effective uh, based upon the research and his own, you know, experience with training these athletes. It builds a better foundation. So it's like, well, let's prioritize that. Yeah. Because I think so often the desire is to like, you want to jump in, you want to do all the cool shit now. 
Yeah, totally. I want to bench 300 pounds now. Like I can't tell you how many high school kids across this country just squirm and have terrible form because they're so, (laughs) I want to bench like 250. Um, And it's like, listen, knuckleheads, build a base. Okay. (laughs) Invest a little bit of time, do it consistently and you will actually get there a lot faster. Yeah. I feel like you're good about that. I am now. Uh, I wonder what, yeah, I probably wasn't when I was younger. Yeah. (laughs) Sitting there squirming around on the bench, horrible form. Trying to impress the ladies who are in the gym too. You know what I mean? I get it. Yeah. I don't know. I get it. All right. Well, this one went on a little while. Let's wrap this one up. Another great one. We're going to have to have Chris back again in the future. I know. I feel like there's still so many questions unanswered. So many. I'll make it an annual thing if you'd let me. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I, I honestly, I can't wait to try his his program. I know you're fired up. And I know you're fired up for me to get back on Instagram. Yeah. So well, I would do I would do his program with you sometimes, remember? And yeah. It was always fun. The jumping stuff. Well, the jumping stuff's awesome, but I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there that's just like awesome. Aw- yeah. You know, just gr- a I great workout. I still incorporate a lot of the stuff into my workouts. Yeah. Yeah. You're a pretty explosive mom. <laughs> Thanks, babe. If it ever came down to it, you know what I mean? <laughs> You'd tear it up out there. <laughs> you mess some stuff up. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, if you're still here, thank <laughs> you and congratulations. Uh, probably took a couple sessions for you to listen to this whole thing, but we appreciate it as always. Thank you for listening. We've got a couple awesome shows coming up. Mm-hmm. Really longevity shows. Longevity. Oh, I love it. We just recorded yeah, that, that might one. be my favorite topic. Yeah. I think you're really going to like this one. You haven't listened to it yet. Um, mm-hmm. co- or Dr. Dr. Andrew Steele. That's going to be a good one. I think it's in two weeks, but either way, look for it. Be on the lookout for that one. And, uh, yeah, let us know what you think of the show and, uh, we will see you next week. See you next week. Have a good one. (laughs) Bye.